0: Okay, Chapter 22 As if some Mayan god were in charge of the flow of time and not me at all, an old wooden fishing boat was rounding the point at the entrance to the bay. I put the stone down. There she was, her left hand behind her, gripping the engine's metal lever, steering the boat. She'd come by lake and boat, not by land and tunnel. A rush of elation hit me. Engulfed in almost tearful thankfulness, I watched as she brought her small open boat closer into the bay, and a couple of minutes later, she cut the engine and slid on to the shore, stepped barefoot into the cool water, and walked onto the beach, sitting down to pull on her shoes. I registered that she wasn't dressed in any ceremonial garb. She was in faded blue Levi's and a soft blue pullover sweater. I glanced down at the jade piece and the round stone before me, and on impulse started to put both of them away in my pack. But then I didn't. I just sat there while she headed quickly up the trail I'd taken with Alejandro back a lifetime ago. When she passed Alejandro's body... She paused and just stood there, looking over at him for a very long time, without moving. Then she slowly raised her eyes and looked up, and saw me on the rock a hundred feet from her, my expression still stunned, but my eyes hot on her as she approached. She came right up to me, and bent over and grabbed my face in both her hands, and kissed me with a rough passion that helped to draw me out. Then she sat cross-legged on the flat-topped boulder across from me, the two stone pieces between us on the cloth. Bit late, aren't you? I finally said in English. Looks like I'm just on time, she replied evenly. What, I reacted. Did you actually... Plan all this? Juan, not at all. There was trouble with Timothy. It's over, but I'm late. And who knows? Perhaps it was destiny that the two Nocalitos would meet face to face. Abierta, she must have felt certain of the outcome. And I see that you've already begun the ceremony. She reached for the jade piece, and slipped it into her bag. Please, come do this with me, she said quietly. I might require your assistance. And without waiting for an answer, she stood up and went striding up the steep trail. Hey, I shouted, you made me kill that guy. She paused and looked back. No. His own beliefs and actions brought his death. "'Are you coming?' "'You keep assuming,' I told her, "'that I'm part of your devious family drama, "'but I'm just some average guy from California "'in love with some crazy Guatemalan girl. "'And why were you out there in the open in that boat?' "'I went on. "'They're going to find you and take you over to Bernardo "'if they don't just shoot you.' "'I am done hiding,' she said." and time was of the essence. We must now go into the bowels of Caban with the jade. Hey, if Alejandro would cut off my head, I went on, would you be going into the bowels of Caban to let him do what he wanted with this thing? Hey? She stared me down. I never even once allowed that possibility to enter my mind. I was with you all the way. Well, it was close. Too goddamn close. All I know, she said, is that I'm going into the volcano with the jade and I ask you to come with me. My father is still being held and I fear what Bernardo will do when he hears that Alejandro is dead. And so, yeah. I stuffed the round stone into my backpack, got up, and hurried with her up the trail. We came to a hidden opening among the cliffs, and without hesitation entered the dark, dank crack of Caban. A slight chilly outflow of metallic air was coming up from the black interior. Mai had a flashlight and she led me for five minutes or so into the depths of the cave, until we came to a place where the cave split into two. She knew instantly which to choose, and after several more minutes we rounded a curve, and the cavern opened up from head height into a large natural volcanic dome. Seeming to know the place well, Mahi found a dozen tallow candles and proceeded to light up the cavern with bright yellow flickerings that managed to hold their own against the blankness of the volcanic rock surrounding us. Without hesitation, she positioned the jade on a large flat ceremonial stone in the middle of the domed room, and then she sat down cross-legged before it. "'Join me, please,' she said." Speaking for the first time in the cave, her voice echoed, even though she was almost whispering. No, I told her bluntly, I'm not doing any ceremony with that thing. Then please just sit, and trust me. I sat. Do you remember, I asked, the very first thing back in the museum? Yes, You asked me whether this thing was used on virgins in the old days. Well, what else would it be used for? So Alejandro, I said, intended to bring you in here and get you naked and somehow, ceremoniously or whatever, stick that thing inside you. Traditionally, she said, the ceremony would last hours. We would be painted blue and both naked, yes. I learned all the ancient chants and procedures from Abierta. We explored the entire process in detail, looking to discover the new way through fully comprehending the old. Well, that sounds seriously sick, I said. And hey, if that was Alejandro's intent, then he got what he had coming. Let it go, she said. You and I must right now do our very best to discover and empower whatever newness might choose to rise up. All right, then, I said. What must we do? One of the candles suddenly flickered in an unseen interior breeze and went out. Juan, I have no idea what comes next, she muttered. Abierta didn't tell you? Abierta doesn't know. You have no intent here at all? I only know, she told me, that it's essential to become quiet and stay fully open to receive. She closed her eyes. She looked so fragile to me right then, so innocent and vulnerable and helpless, that I felt a sudden hot anger flare out at Alejandro, at Bernardo, at the whole fucking male-dominated universe that seemed to be demonically intent upon attacking this remarkable woman. I scowled at the jade direction and again felt the urge to just grab it and smash it to bits. The urge passed. And without thinking, I closed my eyes. I found my thoughts immediately buzzing with a wild mess of images and voices that I couldn't quite identify. I realized that my left shoulder was aching intensely from something that had happened back down the hill with Alejandro. I remembered that bizarre electric feeling in my body that moment when I swung at the brujo with the stick and clobbered him in his genitals. My eyes opened, and I glanced at Mahi. She looked so scary right then, so primal and inward-focused, that my eyes closed again. As I took my next breath, I could distinctly smell Gaban's dank, chilled odor, and with that scent came a sudden loud clear pop inside my head. All my thoughts dropped away, and I found myself sitting quite upright, feeling entirely here, present and alert, deep within this uncharted Guatemalan cave, with this remarkable woman who somehow right then meant just absolutely everything to me. She was now making some random low growling sounds, which grew louder, began to change timbre and tone, as she chanted something quite specific in what I assumed was Tsutuhil, chanting two phrases over and over, very quietly, then louder and louder, until her voice seemed to break free from her body echoing until I could hear many voices at once, echoing all the way inward to wake up the very depths of Kaban. At first I contracted against the chanting, but then I found myself becoming more and more immersed in the pure, resonant, godlike sensation of her voice. My body began swaying slightly to her organic rhythm, and my eyes opened on their own. I found myself staring with total fixation right at the jade piece. Mahi's body was now more energized, her arms and head moving gracefully with her chanting. Then those movements became more ragged and agitated, and her voice more guttural, building into a wild cacophony that then abruptly stopped altogether. "'Totally clear, shatter the jade,' she said loudly in Spanish, to the cave, and to Caban, to Abierta, and the universe at large. And while still in her self-induced trance, she turned her head and looked right at me. I, in turn, knew what to do. I reached into my pack— and felt the cold smoothness of my stone, and took it out and placed it into her awaiting fingers. She held the stone low against her belly for a long moment. Then she raised and held the volcanic ball high over her head, in both hands, as she again started chanting, louder and louder, in an entirely different tone and tempo, low down and gruff, like a seasoned male priest. She chanted louder and faster, and then I saw the stone begin its inevitable descending arc, downward to strike and shatter that goddamn. At that same moment, vaguely out the corner of my left eye, I saw fast-moving hands grab the stone roughly out of her fingers, Something hard and heavy crashed down against the top of my head as hands grabbed both of our bodies from behind. Mahi's voice dropped into a muffled gasp, and then silence. I was yanked upright onto my feet and turned to look right into the bloodshot eyes of Kemado. ''Fuck!'' I said. ''But how did you find us?'' He sneered at me, you are the idiot. It was so simple. Your other lover. While you were playing dirty games inside the blonde whore, we put a GPS tracker into the heel of your left boot, and look at the big fat fish we caught. The helicopter ride was actually quite comfortable, except for a couple of handguns constantly on display. My amygdala had fired off so strong in the cave when I got hit over the head and forcefully hauled outside, that I was still amped with survival hormones as we flew up the east side of the lake to Bernardo's. Kemado sat in front with Bernardo's pilot, holding the stone erection in one grungy paw and a casual pistol in the other. Mahi and I were in the middle seats, with a couple young roughnecks in back. Mahi said nothing. She just sat at my side, breathing calmly, very much present, but not engaged. About halfway across the lake, Kemado turned in his seat so he could look back between the seats at the two of us. "'You have no idea,' he said to us in his beginner's English. How large a help you two are being for me. He made a quick automatic move and holstered the pistol. You are only to remember, my friend, he said, that if you don't do what I say, or if you try to run away or jump from this flying machine, or become perhaps rough with me, I am obliged and happy to shoot you dead. This is how we do life down here, THIS IS HOW I FUNCTION. SO I PUSHED, TO SEE WHAT I MIGHT GET OUT OF HIM BEFORE WE LANDED. HOW MUCH IS BERNARDO PAYING YOU? WE HAVE OUR PRIVATE ARRANGEMENT, HE ANSWERED. I GO WHERE THE MONEY IS THE HIGHEST, BECAUSE I VERY MUCH NEED MONEY. NEED IT FOR WHAT? HIS FACE ACTUALLY SOFTENED WITH SOME VAGUE EMOTION. IT IS FOR MY SISTER. In California there is a hospital where she can receive proper treatment. When I deliver to Bernardo his crazy twin sister here, no offense meant, lady, I shall be highly rewarded, and in my own fingers I now hold this pervert brujo hard-on that Bernardo would kill for, and the extra reward will help cure Juliana, God willing." I happen to perform the necessary games very good, no? I can play many action roles, whichever is making me the most money. But my sister, her medical bills are insane. Next I maybe even rob a few local banks. This machine will be the excellent getaway car, no? Mai squeezed my hand. I turned and found she was listening to this conversation carefully. YOU SEEM ABLE TO SPEAK YOUR TRUTH, SHE SAID TO HIM. I APPRECIATE THAT. I THANK YOU FOR THIS EASY RIDE TO MY BROTHER. BUT YOU AND BERNARDO, HE SAID RIGHT BACK TO HER, I HEAR A LITTLE TALK. I AM DELIVERING YOU TO HIM ALIVE. THIS IS MY INSTRUCTION FOR THE MONEY. BUT I SAY TO YOU, MUCHO CUIDADO. BEWARE YOUR BROTHER. He is a man who hires people like me. And for you, Mr. Jack Hadley, you must forgive me for the hit of my pistol upon your head. I used to beat up my little brother. I learned everything I know about dealing with people from him. He is dead now. Cancer ate him up, too. I hope to hell the cancer demon don't run in the family. Besides my brother... Mahi asked him casually, "'Who else do you report to about things on the lake?' "'Pues, your brother,' he replied. "'He is a very secret man. "'No one knows what he is doing except those he wants to know.' "'But wait,' I interrupted. "'How about back at the border? "'That was obviously government work.' "'No, my friend. "'That was Nate Wingster.' He sent me up first to interview you. He has, of course, many government connections. He is very good at what he does. Very good. He turned and said something to the pilot, and they both laughed, then continued talking, ignoring us. I took the chance to speak privately with Mahi. You're so damn calm, I said. Not at all calm myself. Do you really feel like... Okay with this situation? I see the moment this way, she responded evenly. Either we have faith and stay in the flow and remain in the high heart, or we sink into despair and anger and fear and become entirely lost. If we manage to remain positive, we shall do better than if we go negative. So, I said. You expect me to go yin instead of yang. You want me, as a man, not to make any male moves. Yes, she said. Seepways. Discipline, por favor. OK, I'll try. Keep on reminding me. God damn, my head hurts. Not much yang here, anyway. Ah, look. There's the dome room. She looked out the window. So soon, she said. I've flown up from the city dozens of times, but never into a situation like this. Now we must let go and trust. This is what Alla Nueva is all about. We must enable spirit to prevail in human affairs. Her words flowed effortlessly into me and felt strangely soothing. She leaned over and gently kissed me,